0: When I get questions from parents, so many of you take the time to describe your unique child, not just the behavior that you're experiencing that you want guidance on, but you give some really great descriptions of who your child is at their very core. I get great adjectives like thoughtful, funny, inquisitive, curious, persistent, and so much more. This often comes as the first part of the emails. You want me to know who your children are and why there's so much more than just the behavior that you're struggling with right now. What I've found out about parents today is that you're all not just interested in raising good people, good humans, strong people, but also happy people. You want your children to be allowed to explore and connect with who they are and express that in the world. But parents today seem far more ready and interested in learning how to support their kids to flourish in their own unique ways. Puro air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. puroair.com Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. I am really excited about this episode. This is something I've been wanting to talk about for a while, and it's something I'm now experiencing in some pretty big ways in our own house. So I really think this episode will be fun, insightful, and hopefully even inspiring for a lot of you. When I get questions from parents, so many of you take the time to describe your unique child not just the behavior that you're experiencing that you want guidance on but you give some really great descriptions of who your child is at their very core i get great adjectives like thoughtful funny inquisitive curious persistent and so much more this often comes as the first part of the emails you want me to know who your children are and why they're so much more than just the behavior that you're struggling with right now what i've found out about parents today is that you're all not just interested in raising good people, good humans, strong people, but also happy people. You want your children to be allowed to explore and connect with who they are and express that in the world. And this has been my goal for my kids as well. I believe each of us is born with a connection to our true self, solidly in place. For some of us, this knowing and any expression of it didn't mesh with the expectations at school or home when we were growing up. It was quieted, disapproved, or even ridiculed and shamed in some instances, usually by adults who really felt they had our best interest at heart. But parents today seem far more ready and interested in learning how to support their kids to flourish in their own unique ways. So today I'm going to talk about this process by age. These are some really good basics to get started. How we can support the process of our children stepping into their unique selves and flourishing by each age. Now, opportunities for our kids are almost endless now. Kids are starting businesses, even young kids, tweens and teens, and being very successful. Kids creating brands as influencers, YouTubers, podcasters, investors, artists, athletes, inventors, you name it. It's really inspiring. Now, this doesn't mean every child will go this route either, but the option to create a living out of our passions is here like never before young people and families traveling and making money sharing about their journeys, I could go on and on. So us as adults staying open to these possibilities for our children, allowing our kids to explore their interests and talents in an environment where we are open and guiding with support and love and helping them see and steer clear of pitfalls and most importantly, staying true to making sure these goals and desires are true to them and not coming from us or being formed by us, the adult. Knowing when to encourage and push a little versus back off. So I'm going to start with toddlerhood. In toddlerhood, kids are really just exploring so much about the world. They're learning what the world is about and what's available to them. Everything is new. Almost everything is interesting. Every new environment, whether it's out in nature or a museum, a play place, an amusement park, everything is an opportunity for new experiences, Heck, even the box that latest shipment came in in the mail is new and interesting to them. But this all brings opportunities for development and exploration, physical and language especially. Right? Think about the beach or a forest alone. All the exposure to new things. Just the beach. Think about seagull, shell, crab, seaweed, waves, ocean, sand, boat. It's not just the word, but the experience of the object itself that they can then connect each of these experiences enriches their world. It opens up new possibilities of potential excitement and passion. Most kids will go through stages, but a few will grasp onto something when they're really, really young and never let go. This is rare, but it does happen. At these ages, it's really about lots of exploration. If you find they love the Natural History Museum or the Aquarium or climbing at the park or it's any other place that you can frequent, Do so while mixing in new experiences to keep opening up to new experiences. Give lots of opportunities in all areas. Art exploration, music, museums, especially interactive ones, or days where there are activities and presentations for preschoolers. But really, any museum is worth trying that you think your child might be drawn to. Botanical gardens and art museums, musical museums, car, train, science, aerospace, anthropology, children's museums, cultural events and experiences, depending on where you live, the opportunities can be really rich and dynamic. And no matter where you live, there's always amazing areas in nature that are very unique to where you are. What about physical activities and sports for younger kids? Now, I'm going to share what most child development experts and sports psychologists who specialize in childhood recommend on this front. And I'm going to do this for every age group today, but I'm putting this out there as the recommendation, just as something to keep an eye on because I didn't myself follow these recommendations fully. So, you know, we have to know the rules before we break the rules and know why we're doing it. So I put this out there and then you get to decide what you want to do with that or how much that really fits what your child is interested in or how, how much they're pushing. I'm going to talk about that and why. So for younger kids, regular open-ended physical activity should be the main goal. And a part of your weekly outings, but the park where they can climb and slide, or any outdoor area where they can run, pick up objects and engage in large motor movements, or indoor play spaces where they can do the same thing. This open ended physical play is what benefits kids the most in these really early ages, because this is where they can push their skills and build their confidence in their abilities. They can engage in problem solving, like how am I going to get to that bar up there? How can I get from the top of this area over here to the area with the slide over there? They even engage in imaginative play and they play all kinds of amazing things when they create scenarios with their peers, which has added incredible cognitive benefits as well. Classes are fine but they are not necessary at all and should be done in addition to at least once a week open-ended physical play. You can do this at home with all kinds of objects and just leave them out for them to play with hula hoops. If you have your own jungle gym at home that they can climb on, there's some amazing ones these days. If you have a pool or go anywhere where your younger child may have access to water, like a lake or anything else, swimming is always recommended. It's also a good activity for large motor development and body awareness and it's low impact. But the caveat is also it's good so long as it's not used as a substitute for adult supervision because of false confidence in their skills. But it can be beneficial to buy some time if they get in the water and kind of get in trouble. It might either buy them some time or they might be able to actually get themselves over to the edge of the pool. Or if they step in too deep in the lake, they might be able to kind of pull themselves back. Obviously, this does save lives. And I do talk about this and the statistics of drownings and how prevalent they are in the class on summer safety, if you want to know more about that. Dance and gymnastics and climbing gyms can all be fun for little ones. So if you have that extra money and the time in your week, your child is highly active and you feel like they would benefit from some fun challenges and being pushed a little bit in some different ways or having access to some of that equipment that you might not have in other places, by all means, go for it. Okay, so what if my toddler or preschooler is super interested in some endeavor, be it dinosaurs or ocean animals or math or even a particular sport? Then go for it. Keep it light. Keep it fun. Keep it so long as it's their idea. Let them take the lead. It is uncommon for a toddler or preschooler to have a passion that follows them all the way through childhood and into adulthood. But it does happen. There are people who you will hear as adults say, I knew from the time I was really little that I wanted to be a, put your thing in here, a deep sea diver, a scientist, a dancer, whatever. It does happen. It is possible. So allowing their interests to flow and providing opportunity without getting invested in the outcome is definitely the key here. If they're always asking to go to the Natural History Museum to see the dinosaurs and do the activities, if it fits your schedule, go for it. Buy the books. Watch the nature shows about dinosaurs together, so long as they aren't too scary for them. If they absolutely love, love, love soccer, and all they want to do is kick the ball and learn drills and watch movies about soccer players, how can you say no? As long as it's their idea to play They are enjoying it. They are asking for it. They are asking for more. What can you say? But go for it and then keep them balanced. Keep them doing some other things. Hey, why don't we ride the balance bike today? Why don't we spend a little time on the balance bike and then we'll kick the ball around. Keep them balanced. Keep their mind opening up to other things. Many preschoolers will have an interest for a while and they'll switch. My oldest was huge into space at four and five. He knew what different types of stars were. He was fascinated with nebulae. He knew the names of like 20 different nebulae and could identify them simply from a picture. He was fascinated with black holes too. He had an astronaut dress-up suit that he wore almost every day. He dressed up as a space shuttle for Halloween one year. He was really into it. I really thought this kid was going to end up doing something with space and science for his living, but he eventually outgrew it. Then he went into a Harry Potter phase for a while. My younger son was way into oceanography. He could tell you all about the landscape in certain parts of the ocean, the different sea life in different parts of the ocean. His favorite was the peacock mantis shrimp. He could tell you all kinds of crazy facts about it. He loved the mini aquarium at the Santa Barbara Pier. So I bought a membership and took him whenever I could. When we went to the Monterey Aquarium, he found the peacock mantis shrimp exhibit and he sat there for 45 minutes in this little enclosure. You kind of had to crawl in under it to go and sit in and, and see it. And each child that came by who crawled through, he told them all about the peacock mantis shrimp. I wanted to let him stay there as long as he wanted. But after 45 minutes, I felt like we should really move along and see some other things. And he was about seven at the time. But sadly, he outgrew this passion. And I loved those deep interests that they both had. But they both moved on to other things. So as kids age, most will begin to get a deeper understanding of what they like, how they learn, and what is deeply interesting to them. And so they will gravitate more towards their interests that will more likely become more longer-term interests the older they get. Now, I'm going to talk about supporting kids age five through teens in their talents and interests right afterward from our sponsors. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. Parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads love where you live. Now that we're back, I'm getting into how to support kids five to 10, and then we'll move on to the tweens and teens. So, you know, this is a spectrum and it kind of just slides from one to the other. So you'll see how this starts to fit together and meld. But as far as intellectual, cognitive, and creative pursuits, A lot of kids are still exploring, especially at the earlier end, right? We're moving out of preschool into five, six, seven, still doing lots of exploring. They're trying different things on. Some kids may totally gravitate to something and others may just keep exploring different things music, theater, art, science. So it's really a continuation, but we're going to keep allowing them to explore. If they want to try something, but decide after a six week session it's not for them, it's okay. If they love it and want to continue, keep it up. Again, stay neutral about the outcome. If your child is a star at computer programming at eight, she may have found her thing, or she may get bored and move on in six months. Either way is okay. She may discover something else and then come back to programming and combine it with that something else that she took a break to go do. You never know where the exploration will lead. So staying detached from the outcome Not making every endeavor their future is really important, allowing them to explore. They may pull all this stuff back together. They may go and want to learn some things about film and video, and maybe they're going to put the computer stuff and the video stuff together. You just never know. So staying away from things like my future scientist, my future virtuoso pianist, my future journalist here, my track star. Okay, sports. This is a loaded topic, sports. So I'm going to share the straight up recommended truth. Do with it what you will. I knew this recommendation. I took it into consideration, but I didn't follow it to a T for my kids. But once we know the rules, then we could decide how and when we want to break them but most sports psychologists who specialize in child development and child development experts do recommend keeping kids in really basic motor skill development classes and not specializing in a sport until around 11. They also recommend against getting competitive before that age. Games for fun, not keeping points, doing skill building, friendship building, social skills, but keeping it really low key is the recommendation from most experts in the field. Now, This seems really counter to the way kids' sports in America is done right now. And I'm sure it's also common in almost all other cultures, the way that it's done here. The amount of injuries and burnout for kids who get into competitive sports early is pretty astounding. Now, I think I've shared this, but I know the swim world really suffers from this, as does Little League. When kids are reaching 12 and 13, they're just getting started, and that's when their practice should be ramping up. Their skills are ramping up because their bodies are developing, but they end up losing kids instead in droves from burnout and injury. Now, swim not so much from injury, but Little League, definitely, a lot of, they lose kids from injury who have been pushed really hard. Really talented kids. What I will say is if your child is driven, if your child is asking, begging, pushing, to participate more, to get more competitive, then it's an area as a parent that will be important to do your research, to help your child keep their emotional health and their physical health at the absolute forefront and protect it with your life. But I'm sure you have heard these. I have heard these stories of really young kids, like skaters, like really pushing, like they want to be at the rink. They want to be practicing. They want to be pushing themselves. They absolutely love it. But protecting their physical health, making sure that they're maintaining body balance, that they're getting some cross-training so they're not getting hurt, making sure their mental health is really in check and that they're finding some balance in their life, even if they absolutely love it, is so important. They can always become more competitive after a break, but coming back from burnout and injury is going to put them really back. It's harder to come back from that. It takes a lot of time. All right, tweens and teens. I'm going to share our experience to date with sports, what I've done well, where I have struggled, and what I've learned. Also, academically, the way that we've managed our kids' different learning styles and interests as well. So this way, all the general recommendations are covered, and if you're curious to hear my experience, you can stick around and listen to that at the end. Okay, by the time kids hit tween and teen years... We and they usually at least start to get an idea of their strengths, their talents, their interests that are probably going to be more long-term in one or more areas where they lean towards for academic, creative endeavors, physical activity. Most kids may not know exactly what they want to pursue as a career, but at least they have some idea of what their interests and their strengths are and where they want to begin to explore deeper and even focus their efforts. At these ages, if there is an option for school choice that supports their learning style and personality and offers electives in the areas of their interest, this is where we want to start to try to accommodate this. If you haven't heard the episode number 309, Is Your Child's School Crushing Them or Inspiring Them?, you may want to check that out. I interview my twin's middle school principal, who is an absolute gift to the world of education. So here in North County, San Diego, we have a lot of school choice. There is a school for kids who are really strong in science and math and want to lean towards STEM. Now, my kids middle school, if you listen to that episode, you already know it's Vista Innovation and Design Academy that brings so many amazing electives for creative design and expression, as well as engineering design, creative thinking, problem solving through the design thinking process and empathy. My older son is at a charter with an orchestra, options for advanced math, which both of which he has taken advantage of, and an international baccalaureate degree program that starts when they're juniors in high school, which is all perfect for keeping my son engaged, my older son. We have another school that's called High Tech High or High Tech Elementary, High Tech Middle School. It's similar to my twin school, but they don't have as many creative options. They do have a really top-notch design lab maker space. It's really, really cool. They have a really great graphics and art design space and classes as well, but they don't have the film, TV, drama, music, photography type electives or the music that my twins have at their school, as well as all these other like really crazy fun electives. Like one of the teachers there, well, there's a couple, they teach cooking, they teach fashion design, and They have an elective. One of the teachers teaches a survival elective, which all sounds so incredible. So many options for these kids. They also have, my kid's school also has a printer lab. What's that called? A 3D printer lab where they can design and then print out. And a lot of the classes will use that. It's really, really incredible. One of our local companies here in San Diego, Qualcomm, has donated funds to the school for this 3D printing lab. So we're really, really lucky. Also by middle school, most kids have a pretty good idea of what hobbies or talents they want to continue to develop and supporting those however you can. So with my daughter, she's really creative. So she has lots of art supplies and design tools, including things like colored pencils and the paper and the graphite pencil so that she can design. But she also has the digital tools like a tablet and the tablet pencil and apps where she can create her artwork. My older son is into the violin so he gets lessons and we rent a violin for him. My younger son is into cars and luckily we have a family friend, a dad of my kids' friends who is totally into cars. At any time he works on his car, he invites Chandler to help him install spark plugs, change the oil, replace the wires, the brakes, you name it. He loves it. If your kid is into something that's really not up your alley, see who you can find who might be a good mentor. Okay, sports in our family. What we've done and what I've learned, and where we are today, and what I'm finding my way through right now. So, my youngest son is one of those kids who has never really stuck with anything or found, quote unquote, his sport that we've found so far. He has many talents, he's good at many different sports, but he tends to burn out after a short while, even though he's never done anything even remotely seriously. And that's all good. It's always been on a more intramural, low-key basis. He's a great skateboarder, but his interests will ebb and flow. He's been passionate about and started and stopped all of the following. Hip-hop dance, dirt biking, volleyball, basketball, surfing, parkour, soccer, tennis, and ice hockey. He's also really good at ice hockey, by the way. And he's also really good at hip-hop. He's a great dancer. He is now doing kickboxing and he wants to start jujitsu along with the kickboxing. And he's been doing this for about three months. All this is totally fine. I think it's great that he keeps exploring new things. And I'm glad that we've been flexible with him on his journey so that he can just keep trying new things and see if it's something he really wants to stick with. Or maybe he'll do this the rest of his life. He'll just try a bunch of different sports. (laughs) So my daughter did dance when she was really little and she liked it. She also did gymnastics and was actually quite good at that. She is very well balanced and she's strong both upper and lower body. I don't even remember why we left. It might have been COVID. I can't remember. She's also a very talented swimmer, but has quit three times because she doesn't like the long swim practices that they push you into when they see you have promise. But she now swims for her school PE program and also does water polo, which she loves both because the classes are only around 45 minutes long. But her real passion is equestrian. She wants to compete in cross-country and eventing, but it's so expensive, so I haven't let her make the switch yet. Right now, we're still working on perfecting her flat work, even though she's been skilled enough for a while now to move on to jumps. Big Brother Carter was a swimmer, starting at six and moved up fast. He did show a real talent and As a very competitive person, I let him go ahead and pursue the competitive route pretty early because he was making cuts and competing in many championship events, Junior Olympics, Winter Age Group Championships, and Coastal Championships. He burned out at eight and a half and left for a year and a half. He wanted to go back when he was 10, begged me to go back, so he did. He went back from about 10 to 12, and then he quit, very, very likely for good. He just found the practice boring. Now, I could blame the competitive push, and that wasn't really a push, that wasn't from me, but the competitive push just from the way they run kids' sports as the reason, but I don't think that's it at all. I don't think it would have mattered. If anything, it actually, for him, was what made it fun. So I don't feel like in this case, following the recommendation would have been necessarily helpful, and I don't feel like not following it, like keeping him out of the competition Was it all harmful in this case? It was the practice that he loathed and the competition that he loved and actually kept him interested for as long as it did. So my rule is, and I've shared this before, I don't care what activity my kids do, but they need to do something to keep their body moving. We have a body. Caring for it is part of the deal of being a human. So I want them to be active for life. So that's really all this is about for me, them finding something they love and they enjoy. If they don't love and enjoy it, there's no point in them continuing. So a little over a year ago, because he had quit swim and he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do, he ended up starting tennis. Now, this wasn't his first time picking up a racket. He had done a couple classes through the city where we used to live when he was five and six. He had done a couple of summer camps. They go for a week that were kind of low-key, you know, play for a couple hours, do some drills, um, do some arts and crafts, do a little more practice, go swim in the pool, that kind of thing, kind of a low-key fun tennis camp. He did those a couple of times. He always liked it, but he never expressed a huge interest. But something happened in the past year. He started to really take to it. He began to constantly pester his one and only tennis friend to meet him at the park to go play. Over the past six months, his passion has skyrocketed. He has improved very quickly, and he got moved up to intermediate tennis. A month ago, he informed me he wants to play tennis for a living. I was like, are you sure? Like, are you sure that if you're being paid for it, it's still going to be fun? And he said, absolutely. Playing tennis four hours a day? That sounds awesome. Like, that is his dream. I have never seen him so serious or so passionate about anything. But here's the thing I've learned about tennis. And if you play tennis, if you're a fan of tennis, you totally understand this. And it's kind of throwing me for a loop because there's other sports where this is so different. But, and I'm thinking sports like football and basketball. 12 is really late to start. Even for a kid with a lot of drive and talent, he's considered a very late bloomer. Most pros, are starting, at, I can't believe this, at four, maybe six, and they're getting serious by eight. If the kid is starting at eight, that's considered late. By 12 and 13, they're spending four hours a day on the courts. If they're driven and talented enough, they've got super high end coaches. And of course, their parents have to have the financial means for this. So talk about not following the recommended guidelines. Now, I don't know a lot of kids at eight to 10 who know they want to be some kind of a pro athlete for and understand the kind of work and commitment and mental toughness and acuity that it's going to take, not just physical, but the mental strength that it's going to take. But there are a few and we've seen them. Also, the psychological pressure is intense for kids that young. There are not many adults that can handle that kind of pressure, but for a kid, that's tough. Even at 13 and Carter's intermediate level with no real pressure on him as of yet, I'm staying alert and aware of the potential for the pressure as we step forward. He is aware that he's starting late. He is becoming aware of the intensity of the sport and the competition as we explore it. But I have no doubt that with his ambition, his talent, his intelligence, and his level of maturity, that if he continues to drive towards this and continues to want this as deeply as he does right now, that he will reach his goal. But I think what Carter does have going for him are several things. He hasn't been driving his body early before he was more developed because tennis is really tough on the body. But since he was a competitive swimmer, he's got a great fitness base and one that's a lot less stressful on his body. He was old enough to decide for himself that this is what he wants. This is fully 100% his goal, his dream, and he knows it. I have expressed this to him. He knows I believe in him. He knows I'm behind him. I will encourage him and I will support him. To the very best of my abilities. But he also knows I will never push him. If he gets to a point where he's struggling, I'm not going to force him to go to practice. I'm not going to drag him out of bed at 6 a.m. for drills and conditioning or practice before school. This has to be on him. I think psychologically, that and his age makes up for a lot in being a late starter. We'll see. Right now, our plan is actually 6 a.m. every weekday before school, 20 minutes of conditioning, 20 minutes of drills at the courts. We just started it this week and I work out with him, which I actually needed the motivation to get back to my cardio anyway. So he's doing me a favor. He has practiced three days a week in the afternoons right now, and I will do drills with him the other two days a week. He has tournaments once a month on a Saturday. We'll take it one week at a time and we'll see. My son has a dream. He has a big dream. So what can I say? But let's go for it. If you are looking for more guidance on building a strong, connected relationship full of trust and mutual respect, which is really where we need to be guiding from anyway, you can find the classes on positive discipline, development, health, education, and modern parenting all on the website 60plusclassesatyourvillageonline.com. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, that account is Your Village Online. Thanks for listening and see you next week.